Amen. While you're still standing, if you'll turn back to 1 Peter chapter 4, let me just read verse 10 for us before we dive into the sermon. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. This is the word of the Lord for us. You may be seated. God, would you bless and add your understanding to the reading and now preaching of your holy word? Uh, Would you stir your people up uh, that we would be the church of Christ together even this year? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, We have been spending most of our time in the Gospel of Luke, but uh, a few months ago we looked at Acts chapter 2, and perhaps that was the first of what we'll call a a series uh, entitled Ministry at Trinity. And today is the second part, which is the ministry of every member, uh, the ministry of every person part of this church. Um, And then next month we're going to look at the ministry of uh, faithful officers, the elders and deacons. And my hope is that this uh, will help give you an understanding of what the church is uh, and help us as we ask, what are we to do? What has God called us to do? Uh, Here at the beginning of the year, we're preparing for our annual congregational meeting on Wednesday, and I do hope that this sermon might set the tone for that uh, as we ask God to use us in 2023 for his glory. And so today, the focus of the message is simply to use your gifts to serve. Uh, we have a toy that uh, we finally pulled out of the yard. There's certain toys that you leave out, uh, but once it's you know down in the 20s, uh, perhaps a water table is not the best toy to sort of have around uh, because my my two boys uh, will. It doesn't matter how cold it is. Uh, they're at that perfect age where they neither will keep gloves on nor stay away from cold things. So uh, your timer for playing outside is very short if there's a water table outside. But we have this uh, water table. Some of you might have seen it. It's almost like a pump house in the sense that there's a sort of simple water pump. And then it pumps into this first reservoir. And, and that fills up. And that, there's joy in that. The, uh, the kids get so excited pumping the water into that. It's filling up. It's filling up. It's filling up. But the real joy uh, is when you, uh, there's a little plastic uh, sort of dam piece, and when you pop that out and that satisfying pop, the water comes gushing out of that first reservoir, and it goes down the next side, and it it spins the gears along the way and has uh, what's left of them, and it eventually makes its way into this bottom reservoir just to be pumped up again and, 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 and to do it all over again. Uh, we've been singing in the service today uh, about the precious flow of Jesus' blood, of all the ways that he has lavished his grace upon us. And, and, and that's a perfect metaphor, this flow, this life-giving water that has been poured upon you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. But Christian, that water was never meant to simply pool up in one spot. The joy, there's joy in that, obviously, but the joy Uh, is when the dam is lifted and it gushes out over your brothers and sisters, over this church, over this neighborhood. The grace of God was not meant to terminate simply on your life, but to flow over into the life of others as he uses you. And so the point of the message is simply that. Use your gifts to serve. Uh, To convince you of that, point number one is going to be to convince you simply that you have God-given gifts. You have God-given gifts. 
And the second is that they have God-given purpose. There's an outline for you if that's helpful to you. But number one, you have God-given gifts. Look at what Peter says here. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. What is he assuming? He's assuming that everyone he's writing to, every Christian, has received a gift from the Lord that is meant to be used. And so let me convince you of that. Part of how we'll do that is to get a little bit of context, right? We've been spending our time in Luke. We, we know better, you know, Luke and his writing and what he was doing. Uh, but think of Peter writing uh, later uh, in the life of the early church, uh, perhaps in the early 60s A.D., uh, likely before the fall of Jerusalem. Persecution is starting to pick up, and so it's becoming harder and harder to be a Christian in this setting. Uh, and so his letter is all about uh, Christ coming one day, living in this now and not yet, living in the midst of exile, a suffering like Jesus suffered. And yet there's uh, so much grounding and hope. We already saw chapter 2, verse, uh, starting in verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you were God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so in the midst of persecution, in the midst of uh, the end being near, right? In verse 7, he says, the end of all things is at hand. He reminds them first, Peter does, of their identity as the church, as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And so before we even talk about gifts and using them, we need to be clear on this, right? It's not just that we're individual Christians and God has given us gifts and talents and abilities. And No, first of all, we are God's people, gathered around Christ Jesus himself, uh, built up into the church of Christ. And it's from that that we most readily see that, of course, he equips his people. Of course, he gives them what they need. Think, put, it, put it this way, think of a time when you have most readily received the, the grace of Jesus. Certainly we have those sort of one-on-one times in our Bible study. And it, it, what a beautiful time when we experience that. But uh, think of uh, so many times that you've experienced the grace of Jesus Christ through what? Through another person who came to you and spoke just the right word, or who came to you and listened to what you needed to say, or came to you and prayed for you uh, and used God's word in their prayer, or came to you and just sat there and were present with you. God calls a people, he gives them what they need, and he tends to use people and their gifts to do it. In his great wisdom. And so we need to get this clear. I've been, I've been reading... Um, an author, an early OPC uh, a man by the name of R.B. Kuyper. And he has this book called The Glorious Body of Christ. And it, it's very fitting because his, his whole purpose in the whole book is to convince you that the church is glorious. Now, he doesn't ignore the sin in the church, uh, the abuses that we see. All of those things need addressed. But he points to the glorious nature of the church as Christ's church. Listen to what he says. How clear that no other institution in all the world is comparable to the Christian church in the point of glory. The glory of the greatest, wealthiest, most powerful, most resplendent empire of all history was as nothing, yes, less than nothing, in comparison with the glory of the church of Christ. 
Small wonder that of all the countless organizations in the world, the Redeemer fondly claims only the church as his very own. Upon this rock, said he, I will build my church. The church alone is his body and the fullness of him that fills all in all. Christian, if you're going to understand the call this morning to, uh, that you have gifts and they're meant to be used, you first need to understand the glorious nature that if you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior, he forgave your sins at the cross, and he has brought you into the people of God. Uh, he is the head and we are his body. He is building you up into the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if he does that, that means he's going to equip you with everything you need to glorify him and to serve others. And so this sermon in one sense is, is very, it, it's a do sermon. <laughs> uh, hopefully all of them are, but it focuses on Peter's words here. Uh, As you have received a gift, use it. And so we need to say this is not salvation by works. Uh, this isn't use your gifts and then one day just maybe you'll be saved and come into the new heavens and the new earth. No, it's not salvation by works. It is being saved unto service. It's that you have been saved with a purpose, right? That you are a a holy nation, a royal priesthood to proclaim his excellencies. That's your purpose. That's why he died for you. Or in Titus chapter 2, you have been saved to, to be made a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Or uh, in Ephesians 1 and 2, speaks about the good works that he prepared before us, before the foundation of the world, that we should walk in them. Or Romans 1, that you were saved unto obedience to Christ. He has saved you unto service. You have not been brought into a, a religious clubhouse, but you have been enlisted in an army. And he equips you with armor and sword and shield and everything you need to serve him. If you can understand that, then I think you might already be convinced that he gives his people gifts of service. What does this mean, though? When the Bible speaks of uh, these gifts of the Spirit, the word here, in the Greek is charisma, uh, charisma. And of course, that's where we get the word charismatic from. Uh, and so you didn't think you'd hear that word today. Uh, but there's certainly other uh, faith traditions like charismatic churches that believe certain, certain gifts like tongues or prophecy or a hearing directly from the Lord have continued today. Uh, we see those as limited to the early church, uh, precious gifts to the early apostolic church. Uh, but we don't think that God's gifting has ceased. Uh, we see here, Peter, what does Peter speak of? He, he you know, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, look at the context. The end of all things is at hand. And so we're thinking, okay, Peter, what are we supposed to do? The end of all things is at hand. Well, we're to be hospitable. And we're to forgive each other and love each other. And then when he talks about the gifts, he says the one who speaks. And then he says the one who serves and other uh, lists in the New Testament kind of focus on those two aspects, using words and serving people. Uh, and, and each one of those has office bearers that we'll talk about next month, those who speak uh, in an official capacity like I'm doing now, uh, or deacons that serve in an official capacity. Uh, but the church as a whole, every member is called to speak and to serve 
And what's more ordinary than that, to speak and to serve? This is the kind of gifting that he's talking about. But that Greek word charisma actually is the same root later when he says as stewards of God's varied grace, uh, which is charis. And do you see the connection? As we've already seen, the grace of God is poured out on every Christian in overabundance, and then it flows out. He gifts them uh, to channel that grace uh, to other believers and to those who need the gospel for the first time in this world. And so we might ask, well, what's, what's, what's my gifting? How has he gifted me? Uh, have you ever done a job inventory survey at some point in your life? You know, where you fill it out and it's supposed to tell you, you know, what, what job you need. And it, um, uh, it, it sort of, uh, when, when it all points toward exactly what the market needs at that year, it's a little suspicious. <laughs> like, everyone just needs to be. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, those never worked for me because, you know, I kind of, at, at one point I wanted to be a writer or, you know, whatever it was. And so you could just fill out the survey. Uh, it's pretty easy, like, do you like math or words? And you say, I like words. Um, and so you sort of fill it out with what you want. Uh, maybe you've experienced spiritual gift surveys, inventories. And I don't want to downplay These can be helpful tools. They, the best of them sort of look at the different listings in the New, in the New Testament. Um, you know, uh, for instance, um, from uh, Romans chapter uh, 12 or from 1 Corinthians 12. Um, there we see uh, knowledge, wisdom, uh, faith, service, teaching, exhortation, contributing. That's a gift, contributing generously, acts of mercy, leadership. So I don't want to downplay, as it were, but I, it, it, to use that example of a, of a job inventory survey, what's more effective is job shadowing, right? Where you go with somebody. And more and more, our, our different sectors are sort of learning this and saying, we need to just kind of throw people in, train them, uh, because otherwise you send them away for four years, and then day two of their job, they realize, I was not made for this, <laughs> um, and I just wasted a lot of money. Um, but w- when it comes to our spiritual gifts, it's, I think it's less about, not that they're not helpful tools, it's less about inventorying and, and making sure I could list my five gifts, and more about looking around and saying, God, where can I be spent for your kingdom? And where could I be best spent for your kingdom? Because God has made us differently. He has given us different experiences. And so some of us might gravitate toward administrative tasks, which are needed, and others toward a people-oriented things. Or some of us might have a burning passion for evangelism, and, and others a burning passion to be praying with and for others constantly. And these are not mutually exclusive, by the way. Uh, some of us might love acts of service, even like cleaning and picking up bulletins, and others would rather sit down for an hour and mentor somebody. And to someone else, that sounds like the worst. (laughs) Um, God has made us differently. He has gifted us in different ways. And so if we're going to use that analogy of water being poured upon us and flowing out, over time, you're going to experience that there's certain channels through which that water flows most readily. It doesn't mean that he's not sometimes going to have you do the people thing or the admin thing. We're all called to just do what's needed at times. But I do think he shaped us in such a way gifted us in such a way that it's a joy to discover, God, how do you want to use me in this church, in this community? You have God-given gifts. I hope you're convinced of that because number two is that they have God-given purpose. Those gifts have a God-given 
purpose. And look at verse 10. You could answer for me, I'm sure, what that purpose is. He says, use it or use them to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Right? That's the point. We're filled up to be poured out. The reservoir fills up. We open the dam. It goes out, and it serves one another. That word serve is the same word we get the word deacon from. So the deacons are just leading us by example. And what it means, every Christian is called to be a deacon in that sense, uh, uh, with a lowercase d, to serve one another, to minister to one another. And he says this is a stewardship of God's varied grace. It's a stewardship of God's varied grace. There's a responsibility here. Uh, We'll see later in the Gospel of Luke when Jesus says, "To, to whom much is given, much will be required, right? There's no such thing as a Christian who simply receives and then just sort of hoards it and, and, and says, that's it, that's, that's it. I just receive it and I don't think about the others in my life or the church or the world. No, it's meant to pour out. It's meant to be a stewardship. Think of the, the prodigal son, which we'll look at next week, as the father gives him his inheritance and then he goes and just squanders it on himself. No, instead we're called to be stewards of God's grace. God, you have gifted me in certain ways. You have given me education. Uh, how, how do you want me to use that for your kingdom? I want to steward that. I have this short life. How will you spend it for your kingdom? Oh, that's the stewardship. Uh, so much so that one author puts it this way in looking at 1 Peter 4.10, uh, he gives, this author gives the definition of a gift from God as a personally unique capacity for stewarding grace to others. And that's just what we've been talking about. Grace pours in, it pours out in ways most natural to the way God's made us. That's where you get at, how has he gifted me? And how will I use, how will I use that? Christian, you must use your gifts to serve other people. It's an exhortation here. It's not a think about this for 2024. No, it's Christian, you have received a gift. Use it to serve one another. We're going to spell out in a moment what that looks like, and I'll, I'll make a few caveats, but here you just need to hear it. Use your gifts to serve one another. If you're a formal member of Trinity, I've been using member more loosely in the sense, even those here who aren't convicted of biblical uh, formal membership, taking of the vows, um, but, it, but if you are, if you've taken those vows, that fifth vow says this, do you promise to participate faithfully in this church's worship and service. That's a vow you've taken if, you, if you're a member of this church. And I would remind you of that. But if you say, well, I'm not a member of this church. Okay. Uh, our, our confession puts it this way, speaking of all Christians, and it puts this beautifully in, in chapter 26. Uh, all saints that are united to Jesus Christ, their head and his spirit by faith, have fellowship with him in his graces, sufferings, death, resurrection, and glory. And being united to one another in love, they have communion in each other's gifts and graces and are obliged to performance of such duties as to conduce to their mutual good, both in the inward and outward man. Think of the metaphor that Christ is the head and we are the body. We are united to him, but we're also united to one another. And it says we have communion in each other's gifts and, gifts and graces, Right? Uh, it's not like 
the two theoretical two-year-olds who grab the toys and say, mine. <laughs> no, it, all of it is meant to be shared, and that's where we actually get the most joy when we do so. That's an obligation that we have to one another, to, to share the grace that he has given to us. Well, what does that look like in the life of this church? What does it look like to steward his grace? Uh, let's look briefly at the idea of doing this personally and then doing this corporately as a body. Uh, some have called the church uh, uh, an organization it, requiring admin and teams and initiatives and, and, and all sort of what we're doing right now is being the church's organization in one sense. We're formally meeting, but the church is also an organism. Uh, so we gather, but then we scatter and organically use the gifts that God has given us. So looking first at that sense personally, Christian, there are people here uh, who need you and your gifting. Even think of Sunday morning. Do you think of Sunday morning as a service? Now, we use that word, and we mean we're, we're coming and we're, we're offering up to God a service of praise, and he serves us by blessing us. But do you see that you are needed here for the sake of your brothers and sisters in Christ? There are people here this morning who need you to ask how they're doing and then to lean in and to ask again how they're doing. There are people here who need you to uh, step aside to some of the seating we have and and pray with them. There are uh, young parents here who need you to set up a play date for this week, even if they say they're too busy. There are people who need you to challenge them in love. There are people who need your prayers, whether they know you're praying or not. In other words, God calls us to a personal ministry of prayer, going to battle, as it were, in prayer. There are people who need your text message this week, your call, your letter to them, encouraging them, reminding them of Scripture. There are people who need inviting who aren't here this morning, and they need you to do that. There are people experiencing the horrors of abuse and suffering, and they need you. They need you to hear them. There are people under the weight of depression. There are people under the crippling frenzy of anxiety, losing sleep every night. They need you. There are people who need a mentor in their life that will regularly, and use that word, say, I'm willing to be your mentor. Let's talk about that. There are people who need true friendship, True friendship, someone who's really there, a a friend who sticks closer than a brother, as the Proverbs tells us. There are people who need family, young people, perhaps, that they need others, men and women who would speak into their life. And God has equipped each of you uniquely to speak, to serve. How will you use the gifts that God's given you? on a personal level. But as we think of the corporate level, and let me just make a few um, caveats because I'm going to list some very specific things. Here's caveat number one. We're all in different seasons of life. Some of us are flooded with young children. (laughs) Some of us are under the weight of crippling sickness, perhaps even terminal sickness. Some of us have physical or, or mental limitations. And so don't hear what I'm not saying. As I list certain things, don't hear that if you don't join a committee and meet every week, that you're not fulfilling 1 Peter 4.10. If you hear that, that is not what I'm trying to say. God 
not only equips us personally, but he knows the season of life that we're in. And so if 80% of your time right now is pouring into your family, that is kingdom work. And so I don't want, I don't want anyone to walk away with a, some sort of false guilt, no. Uh, but even in those different seasons, uh, we can connect and send a quick text and, and pray for others and find other ways that we can, that we can plug in. Also, another caveat, human limitation and health. Uh, it, it, this isn't a call for a church that's frenzy with activity, um, that you need to be here five nights out of the week. I'm thankful that that's not the culture here, uh, but don't hear that. And uh, perhaps, perhaps the, those of you that have been tracking most readily of like, yes, I need to use my gifts, might be the ones who are already using your gifts in about 50 different ways in this church. And so you might need to hear that you might need to step back a little bit in this season or change your role a little bit or let someone come shadow with you in one of those roles and, and ask, God, how do you want me to steward the grace that you've given to me? I know you don't want me to just burn out on these five different things just because I'm passionate about them. And that could be the harder work uh, to say slow down a bit and ask how God would steward that in your life. Also, don't hear that this is just church work. I'm going to list a lot of church work type things, but God has called us in our communities in this world to serve him, in our families. And also don't hear uh, as if we're not serving. I am so thankful. Think of just this morning. Uh, You know, we had Calvin teach Sunday school. Uh, We had Emily and and Annie help coordinate and others serving in the nursery right now. Uh, We had countless Sunday school teachers uh, working with our, with our youth and Cole and Kim helping lead that. Uh, we already highlighted our video team, our sound team, our musicians. I mean, think of all the gifts that are being used, let alone uh, your ministry to one another. But how do we do it? How do we steward God's grace as a church even this year? Think of the waters that have flowed in. Think of the blessing he's given us. By my count, there are at least 65 young people under 18 actively part of our church. And I don't say that as sort of like we talked about a humble brag, you know. No, God has brought young people to our church, and we should celebrate that, but we should be asking crucial questions. How do we disciple them? How do we partner with their parents? How do we make sure that those young people have mentors who are pouring into their life? What an amazing stewardship that we could step into or think of other blessings. I mean, we've seen growth over the last couple of years. Things I see, I see women that are hungry for the word. And I celebrate that. That is a blessing from God. I see faithful elders and deacons given to us. God has blessed us in so many ways. You could fill in more blanks. How do we steward that? Because church, your, your church needs you. Uh, we need people who would step up and, and help facilitate even our fellowship time. It sounds so simple, but uh, facilitating a time with with uh, with baked goods and other things, to, it, it just keeps people in that room talking and praying for one another as we be hospitable to one another. Uh, we had a work party a few weeks ago, and you saw pictures from that. We, we need more of that, of people just taking ownership, loving the, the things that God has given us and stewarding them, them well. Uh, we need to build up again a, a welcome team so that everyone who walks in will be, will be greeted and find a seat and know that they have a place in this church. We need people who would be trained disciplers, trained up to walk with other people, 
uh, in the path of discipleship. We need men doing that. We need, we need women doing that. Uh, we need ministry to men and ministry to women. I talked about those women who are hungry for the word. I, I long to train up uh, our men too, but train up our women even more in, in, in loving the word and knowing how to study it and, and, and bringing other women especially along and all those they come into contact with. Uh, mentioning the young people in our church, uh, we need to continually grow. We need even more youth leaders and, and, and some form of youth ministry. You see, we're starting to dream together as we, uh, as we say, God has given us these young people. How do we let them know that they are part of the church? And young people will say it to you now, you're part of this church. We want to serve you, but God wants to minister through you. How will God use you? We need to keep sending people over to Klamath Falls and keep praying and seeing a church planted there. At Klamath Falls, you need to keep using your gifts that he would bless that and see a church planted there. We need teams of people who would evangelize in various forms. We need a core of people who would go to the gospel mission and pour themselves out at least once a month as a witness of the gospel. We need people who God has given a desire to be an elder or a deacon who would be recognized by the church and trained up to do so. Christian, where can you serve? Not just in this church, but God has given you gifts. Where will you use them? Think of the metaphors that we see in the New Testament. The church is a body, which means we need every member the church is a household, which means all the, all the household needs need to, need to spread out over everyone. If one member of the household does all the dishes, it's going to lead to bitterness. But if we all do it together, it's a joyful thing. Uh, the church is a building, uh, which means we need every gift, every way that God's gifted us. Uh, just bricks won't build a building. We need mortar and windows and tiles and roofs. We need all of your gifts. The church is a temple to the Holy Spirit, which means we need every voice joining together to worship him. Christian, this year you need to speak and mentor and pray and invite and encourage and admonish and lead and serve and create and dream up and give and commit and love and be present and train and equip and listen and just see what God will do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, that it, it, it wakens us up to the ways that you want to use us. We thank you for the gift of your son and all the grace that he lavishes upon us. Would you see fit to equip us as a church and as individual Christians to serve one another and to see your grace go out into this community in a way that would glorify you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.